Welcome to another episode of Road Trippin' with Richard on vacation, chanting busy with his chosen family wines, and me anchoring the Lakers desk. It's been a busy week, to say the least. On the Lakers desk, we're covering LeBron James, his two-year extension, so we thought we'd bring you a special legacy edition of the podcast. We'll cover the all-time greats and bring you some of our favorite guests, including Kendrick Perkins and Michael Wilbon. Uh, but who better to lead the LeBron conversation than King James himself? Let's start by hearing from LeBron and his legacy right after winning his fourth NBA championship in 2020. I can't believe people still take RJ serious. Uh, yes! Like, you guys, oh. like, seriously, they get there in I, a bunch. Yeah, they get I, there in a bunch. I troll RJ your talks, page. Man. I troll Sports Interface. Oh, absolutely. All I do is troll. Like, Bron will post something, I'll just be like, trash can. <laughs> RJ's the best, oh, man. Oh, so RJ's funny. the best. That's Channing funny. is the best. If you, I, I see Channing on Twitter all the time. Like they went crazy <laughs> at Channing uh, a week and a half ago because he said, "I'm, I don't care." Giannis Milwaukee didn't get better because Giannis can't score. People, People in their hot. mind, <laughs> oh, they went crazy God. because all they was thinking like, "The guy averaged 30. What do you mean he can't score?" But I, I, I know what Channing is basically talking about. Like you, you got to break down the game. But no one, Don't everyone is so like instant oatmeal <laughs> and so surface. So like, did you, support, got, did you support him when he I said that it. Jordan, Jordan? <laughs> 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 and then he tried to choose what, what, what seriously went through your mind when, when, when he's he like, said Jordan that. didn't have to do anything but score. No, LeBron didn't want to be. LeBron didn't want to be. No, listen. Go ahead, go ahead, Channel. Let you explain. I'll let you know what I did. When somebody said he could average 50, I said, oh, so we just going to put out, like, gravity doesn't exist. The sky ain't blue. Ain't nobody ever going to average 50 in an NBA game. They're going to double team your butt left and right. I don't care who you are, whether you're Shaq, Kareem, Jordan, Braun, whoever's next. <laughs> no, Will Chamberlain. Come on, man. That dude was playing against six foot two dudes, and he was seven <laughs> foot nine. Stop it. Listen, I completely credit, agree with anyways, that. Ahead, I don't believe ahead, nobody. There's nobody that's going to average 50 in our league. Like, nah. Okay, now that's just disrespectful. Just, I mean, no matter how great you were in your era and how great you are, to play in any era, um, you know, if that's the case, I believe guys will average 50 in their era. Yeah. The era that they played in. So yeah. I don't believe that. But when Channing said what he said, if you ever seen the meme of Homer Simpson when he slides back <laughs> into the bush, <laughs> that was me. Sure. Like, oh, no, that's not my boy. People <laughs> were so ready for me. They was like, why isn't LeBron saying anything? I was going on my day like, are you crazy? I'm not touching this. I'm not saying nothing. Channing, go ahead. Go ahead and put him on the cross. Yeah. They yeah. put you oh, on the cross Channing. for sure. You said that you wanted respect on your name. Put that respect on my name. I want to know why. <laughs> I love having I Channing know just exploding. Because I really do. I have literally not talked to you about I want to know why in that moment and I want to know if the fourth championship has changed you um why did I say that uh, just at the end by me or about everybody well I think let me break it down for everybody so so first of all the organization obviously the Lakers have been on yes. for the last five to seven years, and, and rightfully so. Maybe yeah. longer. Maybe longer. Because they want, they <laughs> want you to win. They want you to win. They, they, but, but, but it was it was it was you know, and, and from the outside looking in, and, and then when I actually got in it, you know, it was, and I want to be a part of the change. Yeah. So, okay, now we, 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 this is a change. They, they we want their we, the Lakers want their respect. Yep. Jeannie Buss being the only female uh, owner, and, and, oh, well, along with Portland because, you know, the late great, and, and also in uh, New, uh, Orleans. New Orleans as well. Yeah. But she's the first female champion to win a championship. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I there wanted, was a lot of beef. There was yeah, a lot of beef. Like, so, other things happened, but she took right. over because she of took over, and obviously squabbles. people yeah, know yeah. the story with her brothers and all yeah. that stuff. And she, you know, but more importantly, she wanted to just grab the Laker franchise. She had grown up underneath her father, the late great Bu Dr. Buss, and knew what it took to win, and got it to that point. Love her to hate it. Give her her respect. Rob Palenka, obviously, Rob Palenka was been on for the last few years, either you know with his relationship with Magic. Or whatever the case may be, he's only the the GM because of Kobe and his relationship with Kobe. Whatever you whatever you say, he built a championship team. We won a championship. Yep. Coach Vogel as well. You know they didn't believe that he. They believe he was a second fiddle. You know for the Lakers job. You know it should have been T. Lou. Obviously we know what happened with that. You know he put us in position. He made the right play calls. He made the right adjustments when we played. Okay, Javale was starting. Okay, we played this team. Okay, well I may I need I need Dwight in here. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're starting. I need I need Keith in this in this series. AD, in the Houston series. Five. AD, yep. in the Houston five. series. Javale, Dwight, this is not the series for you. Keith, AD, this you guys got to dominate the interior. Yeah. You know, AC. Now you're gonna have to start. You know, in the finals, AC, I need you to start at one of the guards. Mm -hmm. He made those adjustments. He won a championship. Um, and for me personally, for me personally, after. All that I've accomplished still in this league, there's still a conversation of, of, of like doubt. And I can hear and I see it. And uh, <laughs> I see it on, my, on my, my feed every time I post something with this jackass across from me. Um, <laughs> I just do it with uh, motivation. No, I, and I love it. I love you too. Um, yeah. And, and um, just from people that really, that the basketball world, because People, it's the people on TV and there's writers that write that people in the basketball world really listen to mm -hmm. and they really believe. And I'm not going to give any of those names on this show because they don't deserve it. You want me to? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'll, I'll retweet it when you tweet okay, it. Okay, um, <laughs> okay. Oh, God. That continue to discredit or, or continue to not to understand what, you know, the drive that I put into it. You know, you know, they talk about these players or, well, he doesn't have that same drive as them, or he doesn't have that same mentality as those. If he did, he had, like, and and they see what I continue to accomplish. So, you know, it, it, it was a it was it was a, a reassurance to myself, but it was also like to the naysayers and to the haters, which will always be there, even after I'm done playing. I'm always going to be right here. And to Channing, right here. Yeah, you know, I, I hear it, I see it, and um, just like. One of the words I've been using today, holding them accountable. Yeah. And I'm holding them accountable. Well, so. well, this is the part that, like, I always consider you, like, big little brother. Big brother because, you know, I respect, like, all the things that you do. I Little brother because I've watched you since you came in, like so many other people. But there was one part that, that, that caught me in, the, in your, like, speech at the end when Rachel tried to tee you up. A couple years ago, after we won the championship, you said, look at, look at his face. You said, you know what? And I understood because I was a witness, no pun intended. I was a witness, no pun intended. You were like, I believe that right there after we won championship made me the greatest because you had done something that had never been done before. Our team had done something that had never been done before. And people don't understand from an athlete standpoint, the confidence and the mental confidence that we have to instill mm. in ourselves. And so I watched it. And I was like, kind of like, not, not the Channing Jordan. It wasn't that, but I was like, ooh, 
our guy's got a lot of haters that are going to use this against him. And so the same moment, now your fourth championship, and that same opportunity was given to you by Rachel Nichols and said, like, hey, where do you think is this doing? And you and where I think even as a 35-year-old and you've accomplished what you've accomplished, you took a step back. And you were like, you know what? I'm smarter, I'm wiser, even than I was four years ago. You know what? That's not for me to decide. That's for everybody else. People are always going to argue yeah. that. So, like, I, I viewed it as a, as a moment of maturity, right? Like, why is it that you took a, a, a step back in that moment? Not saying that you changed your mind yeah. or any of that. Be because I realized that the conversation is uh, going to continue to happen no matter what. And, and, it's, and it's, it's great for the game. Yeah. It's great for the barbershops. It's great for the game. Um, it's going to continue to happen. Um, I don't know why. I, the one thing I, I don't understand is, like, you know, you never hear, you know, the greatest quarterbacks yeah. always talked about. You never hear, like, who's the greatest quarterback, you know, you know Brady or Montana. Yeah. You know, you got Montana with five, you got Brady with six. Yeah. You know, or, or you know, you, you used to hear the Peyton and Brady thing yeah, yeah. when they played, but, you know, Brady started to win a lot more and, and – uh, things of that nature, but you never hear like every single conversation. Even baseball, every baseball. single day. It's baseball. like Babe Ruth, and then right. people just move on. Right, they just it's move like, on. No, no more arguments. Right, Babe no Ruth more is arguments. Great baseball player. Right, exactly. You know, you know. So, you know, and and, and well, other sports, hockey. You hear Wayne Gretzky. That's you know, it. people move on. You haven't heard anything since. Yeah, yeah. You, you move on. Wayne Gretzky is the greatest. You move on. There's, you know, things of that nature. But you know, the conversation is going to always be be had, and, and it's great for debates because they want to compare errors, they want to compa compare players, and 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 who they've seen. The one thing that I know for sure that I've been a part of two teams that's won the two hardest championships in NBA league history. The 2016 Cavs coming back from 3-1 versus 73 and 19, being down 3-1 versus one of the best teams that ever been assembled. Two-time MVP. Two-time MVP. Um, and then what we went through in a bubble. And if you were not in a bubble, you don't quite understand it. You would never <clears throat> ever understand how hard it was to win that championship, to be able to motivate yourself to be out of, this is literally out of your whole comfort zone. No so, family, no, no family. I didn't see my family for eight and a half weeks. And then it was just my wife. Never, I didn't see my kids until I got out of the bubble, um, 96 days. You, everything you're accustomed to, your own bed or, or your chef, you know, your sleeping pattern, you know, you're so accustomed to, you know, for me, I'm a routine guy. And when my routine is like knocked off, I, I, it's like, I don't know, it's hard for me to center myself. <laughs> So I'm with you. I, like, I'm literally in the bubble at times, like in my room, literally seeing the walls like this, like the shining. Just blood. Just blood. like blood <laughs> coming down my walls. I go in the hallway. It's like two kids on a tricycle. I'm like, oh, holy <laughs> what is going on? I got to go home. I'm yeah, ready to leave. You haven't seen the shining. Uh, we want you to play with us. Yes. For, you got to see the ever. shot. It's ever. one of the greatest ever horror movies. I'm a horror movie connoisseur, guys. I'm sorry for the people that don't watch horror movies, but it felt like a horror movie yeah. in the bubble. And I just believe that I've been a part of two of the hardest championships in league history. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't care what anyone says about that. You can, you can debate who's the greatest of all time individually, things of that nature and what they've done. But as far as the teams, that's one of the two hardest championships in league history I've been a part of that. Yeah. Did this one change you? Respect to answering that question, by the way. Um, yeah. Has it changed me as far as what, me individually or? I think, yeah, I think individually <clears throat> most because I know that's what makes up who you are. And what yeah, you I mean, 
it, it, it just uh, it, it centered me once again, which I which I, I love to be centered and also love to be um, rehumbled. Not saying I'm not, right. um, yeah. but it gave me an opportunity to just be like, this was an unbelievable achievement for our franchise, unbelievable achievement for myself, what I was able to do for this team, what this team was able to do for me, and um, and to be able to like. I want more. So there's LeBron's personal feelings when it comes to his rank among the all-time greats. But for this next discussion on legacy, let's go back to episode 173. Kendrick Perkins puts Giannis's career accomplishments into perspective. Giannis is already a top 10 power forward of all time. Right now, today, if he stopped playing basketball, he's a top 10 power forward. I think, I strongly believe that Giannis is two championships away two championships away of actually being the number two greatest power forward of all time right under Tim Duncan. Like, he's two championships away or two MVPs away. Maybe just one MVP. Like, like think about this for a second. His resume and the things that he's already accomplished, like, it's it's already better than, like, you look at KG, Dirk, I mean, obviously, I'm talking about in a short period of time. Right, right, right. It's already better than all those guys who are considered, you know, top power forwards over him. And then when you talk about the conversation of winning a, a finals MVP, defensive player of the year, and MVP in the same season, right? It's only him, Michael Jordan, and Elijah, Elijah Wong. Like, he's already scratching it, knocking at that door. If he was to win another championship with the way yeah. that the East is, like – I just the, thing, the thing that bothers me. No, no, no. Damn, bro, I'm about to agree with you, bitch. Nah, like, when you start to say like, and you start to shaking that dome, and you start to say shit like, it makes you feel some bothers, type of way, it doesn't makes, it? Yes, yes. What? What bothers you? <clears throat> it bothers me when anybody ever tries to devalue someone's championship, and that shit started with Phil Jackson after the Spurs won, and that was just Phil being Phil. When the Spurs won the championship in the shortened year, in the in the Lockout year, he was like, uh, well, that doesn't really count. And the Spurs went on to whoop their ass some more. My point is this, <laughs> is that I don't give a shit if it's a bubble. I don't care if it's a shortened season. I don't care whatever it is. Anybody that thinks like, oh, well, your championship wasn't this because of X. And you're like, bro, no true athlete that plays in this league will ever say it. will say that. So like if you are saying that, then that means you don't understand what we do and who the group of players and what you have to go through to get there. You got to win 16 games. They had to go on the road, Milwaukee, and beat Brooklyn in there and say whatever you want about the Brooklyn Nets being hurt because no one says that to devalue Steph Curry and those guys because Kyrie and, and, um, and Kevin Love got hurt, right? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I truly believe, and this is, again, it's not the way it went, but if the if the Golden State, uh, if the Cleveland Cavaliers would have been healthy that year and Kyrie would have been able to play and Kevin would have been able to play, I think that series could have gone different. They were up 2-1 without those two guys. And so we're I just think... There, it, right? Yeah. I just that think it's good. shitty. Yeah, I think it's there. shitty to devalue anyone's championship. So 
if Giannis wins another championship, I don't give a fuck if it's in a bubble, if it's in Tecmo Bowl, if it's in fucking double dribble. Like at the end of the day, that motherfucker is a monster. And I think, oh, yeah. I think he, I think he's already above some of those guys. Like you say top 10, I think he's he's probably in that seven uh, or six range of power I, forwards I, to ever I, live. I, agree. I just didn't okay. want to push it. I just no, I got you. Let me ask got you this. back, is, Big Perk. Is there anything <laughs> about you? Giannis no. that you still <laughs> is there anything about Giannis that you still need? answered no that no. you still question about so that's stop it no remember you, we said that Allen, came with one championship he's he's answered all my questions the one question that i had about Giannis was that was could he get it done in a clutch right like this is this is why a lot of idiots out there were like trying to make it like because i was saying chris middleton is the batman Giannis is the Robin. They was trying to make it like, oh, you're saying Chris Middleton is actually the best player on the team. No, I'm not saying that. But if you went back and you look at their journey and you look at who was closing in the fourth quarter, it was Chris Middleton. So I'm looking at like who's coming to finish the mission when it matters the most. It was Chris Middleton. Then all of a sudden in the finals, Giannis shut me the hell up. Like what he did on that stage in game six, it, it wasn't a fact that he went out there and had the 50 piece. It was how he did it. And he was not afraid of the moment. Like free throws, that everything. Was, that's what I'm saying. Knowing that he was struggling from the free throw line, but kept attacking the basket. Like I was just like, you know what? Okay. This is what I've been looking for. And once he showed me that I couldn't say nothing else. I think my biggest thing was like, you know, Giannis at one time was letting his free throws affect how he attacked the game. And he realized none of these little boys can stay in front of me. And he started just attacking. And then he started to see defensively, you got to guard Giannis closely, but that takes a toll on the chest, right? And you start to see during that series, (laughs) Jay Crowder, DeAndre Aiden started to get that space. And Giannis just like a train straight away right through the chest. And so for me, not only did he become... You, there are certain players you can't say nothing about anymore. There are no more questions. And for him to physically and mentally dominate a series, like they were down 0-2 and won four straight. That's not yeah. that's not that's not against yeah. a really, really, really good Phoenix Suns team. But you could tell Giannis won that series by his attitude and his relentlessness. And that to me is like he don't he don't there was nothing, the, nobody the, should the, say the, nothing to him. Yeah, the thing that's that, and it's random, but I think all of us, you know, as people that watch the game and and have played it, we all agree. I saw this clip of him, I think it was during the practice, during practice. He was like laughing, joking. He's like, yeah, sometimes I air buzz, sometimes I shoot, sometimes I miss, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep shooting. And I'm sitting here like, people don't understand how important that mentality is. And this is not to bring Ben Simmons in there, but it's either that mentality, it's either that mentality of like, I'm going to keep going. I don't care if I miss 10 in a row. I'm still going versus a guy that's like, oh, I've missed a few in a row. I'm going to start to defer or start to become not nearly as aggressive. And once I saw that, and that's like a private thing that like we just happened to catch on camera. But for me, that's like, I respect that because Shaq was the same way. Shaq didn't give a fuck. He was going to miss every free throw. He was going to go two for 12. But you know what he was going to do? He was going to post your ass up and try and dunk on you again and make you foul him again. You know what I'm saying? So like, go ahead. Yeah. I got a question to y'all three because I, I done been on here a few times, so I feel like I'm family. I feel like I've asked a question. Listen <laughs> about that big turkey leg. 
No, we ain't talking about no damn turkey legs, Shannon, okay? Chill out. Shut up. Listen, I want to hear. I want to know this, right? Because we got to address the elephant in the room. All right? And this is the elephant in the room. The Lakers. The Lakers. I need oh, to talk about, about that Lakers. next. We oh, we were going to talk about that. No, but I want to know. I want to know from yeah. y'all because I want to know, Allie. I want to know from you. I just want to know where do the Lakers go from here? Because, first of to all, the they're, not, they're, not, <laughs> <laughs> they're not winning no damn championship. No, stop I would it. be surprised if they get out of the first round. And th- this is the problem, right? So now relationships get affected, okay? Because as, as in the off season, like I just need to know what's what's going to happen. Like, do you move AD? Do you move Russ? Like, you fixing your face, Richard? I'm just asking. First of all, with Anthony Davis, I know this is not the place for like the pity, and he doesn't expect pity or anything. But by God, you when he went down uniform, in that, you, you do yeah. like shit. Because like, look, I'm. We've all done it, Allie. No, I'm saying we've all. No, I'm saying we've all just stepped on somebody's foot. Like that's not anybody's fault. There is not a player on the planet that would have survived that shit. You was out. Right. You know. Yeah. That shit sucks, bro. I just think we have such high expectations, right? And then like we saw a glimpse in the bubble, right? Which was obviously again the bubble is a small small glimpse of like what AD can do, and we expect AD. To be like, is is to live up to his talent, which shows how talented he is, and then it's just like things hamper that. But if you look at AD's body of work, he's not having a bad year. He's just not having a dominant year. I think he's averaging twenty five points a game. So it's not like you know he just he's not some, he's not some shit. Him. It's, not, it's kind of what it's just Perk like we expect him to be with, an MVP. It's kind of what Perk was describing with Giannis. Interesting enough. It's yeah. not the way, and it's not the points when it comes to Anthony. It's the way in which he gets those points. Yeah. So it was that like five or six game stretch post knee injury when he came back and he was just playing with a force at the mm-hmm. rim, like see ball, get ball, <clears throat> pursuing the basketball. He was always there for lobs, just the way in which he was finishing, getting to the free throw line, like playing with that I don't give up attitude. And I think it's just you can cuss on this that, fucking attitude. You can cuss, cuss, say fuck, Allie. With that oh. said, it's that kind of mentality and attitude that when you're describing Anthony Davis to your point, Channing, it's not that he's having not a he's not having a bad year, but it's not the dominant year that the, everyone yeah. is expecting from him. This is the thing. Let's go back. Let's go back a few years. A few years ago, when Joel Embiid made his first All Star game, when when Giannis made the All Star game, and let's say. Um, there was a year where all four of those guys made the all-star game. Giannis, Joel Embiid, Jokic, and AD. AD was still better than them. But then eventually these guys started passing him. And I think that's the part. Now, AD might have won a championship, but then Joel Embiid passed him. And Joel Embiid is a better player now. Then Jokic passed him. And now Jokic is a former MVP and has passed him. And now Giannis has passed him over in the last few years. So like all of these guys who we considered AD to be better than is not just because we're looking at AD, we're looking at the people that you would compare him with. AD went from number one in that position to now fourth in that position. And it's not just because, not that he's just fourth, the other three are fucking MVPs. And now you're questioning like, yo, this dude is like a top 20 player now when all of these other guys have tried to vault themselves into a top 10. So these other guys have increased while his skills have decreased, not skills have decreased, but where he's gone down. Well, this is why you're 100% wrong, okay? First okay. of all, 
Joel Embiid, he has to do more because of the talent he have around him. So, so, so is Jokic, right? Like you look at the Lakers. This is this is the only problem I had with the Lakers adding so many pieces this offseason was that I said it's going to take away from Anthony Davis' greatness and for what he's what he's able to show us. Just think about it. When it was LeBron and AD, what LeBron said. We're going to run everything through Anthony Davis. Did he not say that? AD was leading the team in points. He was leading the team in rebounds. I think he was leading the team in blocks, shot attempts, and all that. Now you add Melo, who's going to come in and take 10 to 15 shots. You add Russ, who's going to come in and take away 10 to 15 shots. So at the end of the day, I feel like Anthony Davis actually – have individual goals that he would like to achieve, but because of the team that he's on right now, he can't achieve those goals. Like, he can't be the best version of himself on this stacked team. And LeBron is not giving giving in. Like, he's playing. He did elevated his game to a whole nother level. So it's like we, we're asking AD to, like, be extra efficient, right, because he's not going to take get that many looks. We asking AD to do all these things, but the fact of the matter is, is that Jokic he has to do all those things. He has the ball in his hands, what eighty percent of the time orchestrating the offense. So, so do Joel and B, especially this year. So I'm like, you know, like if AD was in a completely different situation, we would still be seeing those thirty and fifteens or forty and twenty nights if he wasn't in this situation. Hang on really quick. What is the balance though? And I say this like out of respect and we all know it and understand it because of what we're seeing with Anthony Davis in the injuries. When he signed his contract with the Lakers, he talked about some like part of it is for security because of the history and his, his injuries, right? So if you get rid of the opportunities, but you're dealing with situations where Anthony Davis is not healthy, what situation are you putting yourself in? I mean, I'm saying availability is a skill. And so do you think if LeBron is averaging, you know, 28, 29 points now, to me, if LeBron can get a guard, and this is, Anthony Davis is a very special player. If you can go get a Bradley Beal and and bolster your bench with skill guys, energy guys, younger guys, like younger guys, defensively, Bron can elevate them, Right. You, I like Braun and a shooter and a scorer next to each other right now, like a Bradley Beal or like a, a tweener, like a Jalen Brown, somebody younger, that's going to inject some good energy into this team where Braun just has to do this, control the pace of the game, and if you need him to score, he can score. But you're not winning games with Braun being your scorer. It's just not – it just doesn't happen in today's game. But to me, how do you get rid of Russ? yes. I don't mind mellow, but you got to get some youth in the bench, right? And you do have to challenge AD, and that's a guy like JaVale McGee. I thought the Suns picking him up was huge. When they won the chip, JaVale McGee was there challenging, or was it? No, he wasn't there. I think it was Dwight. But somebody was, yeah, Dwight was challenging AD in practice and doing stuff like that. Like, And I just think, yeah, I don't know. I just don't think there's anybody there. I don't think there's anybody there right now. You look down the roster, and it's like, who challenges LeBron in practice? Stanley Johnson, he went to U of A. Awesome dude. Bear down. But no. Trevor Ariza, no. Like, who challenges each other? They probably but just they, sit they blew up. But that's shoot. the thing, though. It's like, did they blow up the team? They blew up the team last year. And the crazy thing about blowing up the team is that they won the championship. They can't. 
They had a number one ranked defense and everyone was like, just get there healthy. And they weren't even healthy going into the postseason. So like if you're using that mindset, you could have just run it back. Like you won a championship. You were number one with everybody. You let Alex Caruso go. You let KCP go. And you know, KCP has a love hate relationship with the Laker fans. You let Kyle Kuzma go. You let a bunch of guys that have championship experience go to bring in Russ because you thought or, you know, a lot of people thought and there was conversations that Russ would be the guy to pair up with the other guy when one missed time. So when AD missed time, it would be Braun and Russ. When Braun needed to miss time, it would be AD and Russ. Well, that chemistry has never truly worked. Now, when all three of them are healthy and on the court, their numbers are actually pretty good, but just ultimately it's not fulfilling the need that they that they are looking for. But if they blow it up again, this will be their second year in a row trying to blow it up. And you can see the bad parts of blowing up. Okay, this one ain't bad blowing up, but blowing up the other team that was coming off a championship that one might have been tough. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But look, this is what I got to say. I feel like LeBron and AD both, they thrive well when they have dogs around them. Yes. Like dogs. Like we took for granted what type of dog KCP was. We took for, for They took for granted what Alice Caruso brought to the table. Like that dog mentality. Even, even Rondo, like – that dog mentality, like Rondo would go grab the ball from LeBron and be like, nah, run the floor. I got this. Like <laughs> he would, he would actually put, he would actually put that key in in AD back. Like, just think about it. AD played some of his best basketball, had those spin-out lobs when he was getting those dimes, or Rondo was force feeding them, like, no, you're gonna be a killer. And yeah. some players actually need that. Like, you need those dogs, somewhat gangsters, somewhat Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, Richard Jefferson, Shannon Fries around. Let's go. Actually, Allie, let's go. You know, you better be a pug. Look at look at him looking like a Labrador. Can you can you actually record yourself? Can you actually record yourself doing that so I can use it as my ringtone? Okay. Labrador is so funny to me. Yeah, you see, him like a little pet Labrador. Before we get to Richard thoughts on Steph Curry and Michael Wilbon on the all-time greats from other eras, we want to tell you about our friends over at Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy, a better immune system, and got tired of taking pills and vitamins every day. I wanted to see what all the hype was about, and now it's obvious. Every scoop of Athletic Greens tastes great, and it helps me to feel my best, especially in the morning, to get things started. I have the peace of mind knowing that I'm beginning every day with 75 high quality vitamins and minerals, whole food source superfoods, and even probiotics. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading in to the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your own health. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash roadtrippin' and take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. Again, go to athleticgreens.com slash roadtrippin' and get started today. And as promised, here's Richard on episode 200 talking about Steph Curry's NBA legacy right after Steph won his fourth ring and first finals MVP this past June. Look, they are a dynasty. Like, it's hard when you're living in it to, like, acknowledge it. Like, Jordan and them won six championships in eight years. Jordan took two years off. Where the Warriors won four championships in eight years and had uh, 
one basically had three i would say two and a half seasons where everyone was injured right because two seasons clay missed and then they got both him and kd got hurt during their finals run so you know this could have easily been two more championships it's like you know jordan respectfully took time off because you know of all of the stuff that was going on in his life respect that the Warriors were like forced. Kevin Durant left, and you could see that they like if Clay was a hundred percent healthy, if all the different things that would happen, they would still be able to. They would. They might have won another championship. You know, in my opinion, you know, in this two-year window that Clay was hurt with an Achilles and an ACL, if he, you know, uh, if he would have been healthy, but. Uh, no, they are a dynasty, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. I still think that, like, there's nothing like your first championship, and I think their first one in 2015, I think that gives them the confidence. I know Allie was there. She's starting to smirk uh, about that. But I think this one is their most important. This is the one that solidifies them that, you know, they want it without, you know, the KD. They want it being banged up. They would never face elimination. Um, Draymond said it early. He's like, we were never beat when when we were fully healthy. I'm like, Draymond, that's not 100% true. We talked about that. Uh, but no, th- this this one is special, man. And, and uh, I am I am glad that we can sit back here now and we don't have to have any more Steph Curry legacy talks. We don't have to have any more of that. Not saying that his legacy is complete, but there is nothing left for him to accomplish other than to add to it. That's it. That's all he's that that's all he's doing is going to add to it. He's checked every box. He's done everything that he needs to and salute to him. He is one of the best superstars and one of the best people that I've ever been around, you know, especially given all the things that that that's been in his plate. You were a part of um, obviously the Cavs championship in 2016 and you know how much that one meant to Braun for various reasons. When you watched this one and for yourself as well, no disrespect, but I'm I'm saying yeah. from a standpoint of I think you saw a different kind of emotion from LeBron during that title than maybe you saw in his first two, obviously in Miami, though his first one obviously meant a lot to him. They all do. But my point here is, is when you watched the way in which the emotion came over Steph, what, what did you kind of think of that? No, it, it like, so I said it, I said it like, I said that the most important championship for Kobe Bryant was the first one that he won when Shaq left. Because there was a finals where where Shaq averaged 36. That was a young Kobe. It was probably, I want to say he graduated in high school in 96. It was 2000. So he was probably 22, 23. He was young, super young. But he averaged about 16 in that finals and Shaq averaged 36. So the most important championship for Kobe was that first one that he won without Shaq. Because that solidified like, like, look like we were a dynamic duo but i can do this solo especially because shaq won that extra one in miami now even when he won his fifth one he goes there was what does this mean to he goes it means i have one more than shaq so like for all of us to not act like these players ain't counting rings like those are lies like they might sit there when they're done and sit back like oh i don't care about this stuff that's a lie so when i look at kobe's one I look at bronze in Cleveland, like that was it. That was his whole, if, in my opinion, if Bron had won one championship in his life and it was in Cleveland, that, because no player in history, we forget about that. No player in history is like, what am I gonna do? I'm going to get drafted by my hometown team and I'm gonna lead them to a championship. It's like, what? That's never been done in sports. Forget how they did it. Forget how he did it. It was like, who I was gonna say, get to first say, I'm like, gonna- I, First, I'm going to piss him off. I'm going to go somewhere else and yeah. win, and then, then I'm going to come back. And it's going to yeah, be all but fine but again. he knew. He, but 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 like these guys know. I, I know <laughs> that they don't talk about legacy, and they pass that off like they should. 
but they know. Kobe knew how important winning a championship without Shaq was. Braun knew how important to his overall greatness, if he wants to be the best player to ever live, how important it was winning in Cleveland. And for Steph Curry, he knew. He knew how important that final MVP was. He knew all the things. That's why the first words out of his mouth is, what are they going to say now? What are they going to say now? So he was harboring that. Like when he got up there, and, and Draymond, we know, Draymond's always popping off with receipts. But when Steph starts going up there and going at Perk and going at Foxworth, all those things, that's because like those are the energies that he harbored. And he said he's the petty king. Like That means he's paying attention to all that stuff. So this is by far the most important championship for him, and it falls in a line with the most important. And I, like I, I said it in the interview, I think, I think Kevin Durant's next championship will be the most important. Those are the ones where like you remove all doubt. That's when it becomes like special. I'm going to hang on to that, um, that take you just had on Kevin Durant because I think it is a great segue into a spicy topic that's going on in the NBA right now, but we're not finished with this conversation. Uh, when it comes to Steph and the end of his legacy, um, where do you think he'll fall when it comes to all-time greats? I, I've never heard so many people right now, and it must be just kind of the moment, I guess, but so many people when you, know, you talk about the finals and the Warriors winning, they're so quick to be like, oh, that makes him number 10. Or as specific no, as, did, oh, he's the 11th best player. And I'm like, wait, no, what? I, I, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's your list. It's who's your favorite player, who you idolize. Uh, my guy, but Andre. But he's up there. And, and look, yeah, fine, yeah, he's a top 10 player. Yeah, yeah, he's a top 10 player all time because everything he's doing is going to continue. It's like when mm -hmm. LeBron James breaks a scoring record, he's going to continue pushing it. So it's like, yeah. bro, you ain't got to pass Kareem anymore. You ain't got to get to that number. What you got to do is you got to play another probably two, three seasons to catch Bron. Um, I'll say this, right? And I'm as a, as a Magic Johnson fan and all this like stuff, like I, I don't like to compare I just want to make sure that people understand like what you say when this like Allen Iverson what what position is Allen Iverson point guard are we sure shooting guard yes Allen Iverson's a shooting guard now he could play point he can drop dimes he can do all of those things but we typically only call those Small guys forward. position they're no, but I'm saying we call them, but you should say them all. They call them that based off of their, but a lot of times it's based off of their size. It's based off of their mm -hmm. size, right? So, so like when you look at Allen Iverson, he was, he was a two guard. He had Eric Snow on his team during his most successful year. So oftentimes Eric Snow, he, what he would do is he would play the point, let AI be the one, and then he would guard the two and let AI guard the one so that oh, wow. AI wasn't forced <clears throat> to guard much bigger players. And it's, to me, it reminds me so much of who Steph is, right? And, and you know, the way he plays, there is, not one, there is not one attribute that you would contribute to Steph as a point guard. Right. And that's not a knock thank, before you idiots start doing you. that. Before you idiots start stop doing that. He's the greatest shooter of all time. Greatest three point shooter of all time. He is a shooting guard. He is a shooting guard. And it is a beautiful thing. But this is my theory. The reason why people want to call him a point guard is because they feel like he can move up that ranks of all time shooting guards. Like I think he's, you know, if you say if you say point guards, the people that you talk about in recent basketball history a lot of times are Jason Kidd, Steve. Nash. Um, yeah, you have to keep no, oh, no, yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. Is, is, is it? A, no, yeah, yeah, leave it. Leave it. Anyway, sorry about that. 
Um, when you talk about Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, John Stockton, that list, when you look at when you look at Steph's accolades, it's easy. There's only one guy that you would probably compare him to in modern day, right? It would be like the Isaiah Thomas. It would be the Magic Johnson. That's the only one. You know, obviously John Stockton with the assist and all that stuff. But when you look at two guards, they don't want to go down that two guard route because that two guard route includes MJ, which you know he can't do. Like that's not on him. When you talk about two guards, then you end up talking about you end up talking about Kobe Bryant. He, you don't want to start a Steph versus Kobe argument. So like, well, he's a point guard. It's like, okay, well, let's see this. Uh, does Steph initiate their offense? No. When is Steph is at his best? When he is off the ball, like a shooting guard. So. All the success that they have, Draymond, Andre, uh, Jarrett Jack, his first year when he played point, Jarrett Jack, or the first year when, when he broke the three-point record, Jarrett Jack was a point guard. Steph and Clay were the wings running around and knocking down threes. So it's hard for me to establish you as a point guard other than your height and your quote-unquote starting position when you play off the ball. You typically don't lead your team in assists. You know, don't quote me on that. I, I had to go back and check the stats. I know that's Draymond's Norman, the initiator of the offense. And then you have guys like Andre and Livingston, big wings that can handle the ball and distribute so he can play off the ball. So for me, that says if you look at every single thing of his criteria, where he's at his best, what his skill set is, it says shooting guard. But they don't want to compare him to other shooting guards because then you get to the MJ Kobe conversations, even Jerry West, and you just don't want to have those conversations. So they're like, he's a point guard, and we're going to compare him to Magic Johnson, who was all time in the league in but assists. But completely opposite. And you're like, completely opposite. He, the the skill set and the focus of what he does is different. <clears throat> One of the things, like for LeBron and Shaq, what do those two guys need? Shaq needed a late game finisher. LeBron mm-hmm. needs shooters around shooters. Him because his skill set, his skill set says, if you put me with four shooters and defenders, we're going to go. Right. Mm -hmm. With Steph, it's like if you get me with intelligent people that know how to handle the basketball, I'm going to create havoc with my movement. And he is the greatest that we have ever seen at it. So nothing about that particular skill set. Not saying that Steph doesn't run their offense, not saying that Steph doesn't do all of the things that a point guard does. It's basketball, basketball basketball. minds, basketball individuals understand what. Yeah what you're saying yeah it is positionless basketball and Steph is one of the top 10 players of all time because he's going to continue adding to it if he were to stop today there you know that that's the argument Uh, but I I, I think that he's the greatest point guard or he's surpassed Magic Johnson who scored 42 as a as a rookie in the NBA finals you know and has three you know finals MVPs has three MVPs Let's slow down respectfully and not forget that also Michael Jordan's career, or Magic Johnson's career was cut short, you know, due to all of the things that we know. So he probably had two or three more years, maybe not win a championship, but to add to some of these numbers. So that's my only thing. Steph is a bad man, top 10 all time, greatest shooter we've ever seen, and freaking good for him. Before we kind of close up this conversation, you want to give your props to Clay and Steph? Yeah, there, there's this one thing that I, I would say as being on their team and playing against them, um, you know, there's always been this underlying resentment um, just from like players. Like a lot of NBA players come from uh, very, you know, 
you know, different backgrounds. Some come from nothing. And so I think there was a little bit of, of I don't want to say resentment, but some of like, you didn't have the same path as like a lot of other guys that came from different backgrounds. Steph and Clay's parents both, or dads both played in the NBA. So in your brain, you think money for trainers, money for camps, money for shoes. Like, I remember putting, having holes in my shoes and having to put a little cardboard in it so that I could keep rocking because that toe had worn down so much. Like, there was a grind. There was a, you know, you know, there was a, you know, a, a, an idea that that's where, like, you have to fight to get there. And I think there was always, there was a little bit of resentment from players when it came to Steph and Clay. It's like, what adversity have these guys had to get here? Well, they've had a ton. But in the same breath, I've heard NBA players talk about the stress that might come from that might come from their own kids. I've talked, I've talked to Bron and seen the, the stress that he feels like Bronny and Bryce have to deal with shit. They made a movie about it in Space Jam 2, right? I've, I've talked to different guys like Rondo and different guys are like, man, I've just, you know, I put pressure on my kids. Like, you know, I named Richard Little Richard, Luke Walton, you know, one of my best friends in the entire world, you know, coming from his dad. They have a different type of pressure and expectation that people don't fully respect. So while they didn't come from a single parent household or a parent that had nothing or, or you know, raised by a great, like they didn't have that background. So a lot of guys would look at them like, they didn't have that background. So a lot of guys would look at them like, oh, these kids were private school kids and they had it easy and their dad, you know, his dad taught them how to shoot and Clay grew up around the Lakers. That couldn't be any further from the truth. Like Steph went to Davison, Clay went to Washington State, and Washington State some shit. We will beat them like 26 straight times. But they didn't have this easy path. I'm just throwing a shot. They didn't have this easy path. And I think that a lot of times there's this misconception that because they came from dads of that, that were great players, their path was easy. It was different, but the pressure on them in these moments when it's time to perform was actually harder. Of course, no debate or discussion about legacy would be complete without getting some historical reference. And who better than Michael Wilbon himself to give us his personal stories from the locker room and view of the league from its inception. Here's some wisdom from our friend Michael Wilbon, our guest on episode 153. The ability to tell stories, to tell them responsibly, to be engaged, to have this discussion. I, I love it. Channing, when I started to trying to get in touch with you when I saw you on NBA TV one night. I mean, because I know, yeah, basketball is the venue right now. You guys can talk about anything. Your intellect, your levels of education, your parenting, all of that. Look, man, you know you see plenty of fools on the air. <laughs> you see plenty of fools. We see people we want to throw. I know, I, I want to throw off with a big cane. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm proud when I see you guys. I appreciate that. Because of the level. I, I'm engaged. I am engaged when I hear you guys. I know I'm going to be engaged when I turn it on. So thank you for that. But I'm I'm, I'm proud to know both of you and have well, well, seen that growth. Well, mm -hmm. Mike, and again, I, I know we're, we wanted to talk about basketball today. We knew that was not going to happen. We, we got you Zach. You have three stories that we, we have to get to. Yeah. No, okay, really quickly, really quickly. But before we get off, I just want to make sure that people understand that, like, Michael Wilbon in the sports space is the same as a Michael, don't interrupt me, is like the same as like a Michael Jordan, is the same as like a Kobe Bryant, where the generation underneath him, right, when you started PTI and your relationships and like even your stories, like 
you know, you are a mentor and all of us, like you have sent me a text. You like, we might not talk for six months and I get a text from, from Mike Wilbon. And it's just like, Hey, I really liked your point right there. And you're just sitting here like, okay, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something right. I probably said that a long time ago. You're yeah, whatever. <laughs> Shut up, Shannon. But it's just like, I, I can't tell everybody enough Appreciate how you. much guys like Mike Wilbon have impacted the entire broadcasting tree and the culture of the game of basketball and sports. So it's just, I, I just want to say thank you for all of your support. Allie, Allie has stuff that she wants to talk about now. Go ahead, Allie, jump in. You know you're wearing, my, you're wearing a T-shirt I love, by the way. You know that. She did that on purpose. I did this for <laughs> you, and guess I've had it for like 10 years. I got it at a thrift store. How about how, how are your Browns fans going to feel about that, Allie? Yeah. I did it for the guests. Okay, all right. That case. I love the Browns. Um, with that said, Channing had his Michael Jordan moment. And you are very close to Michael Jordan. And you also have an awesome story. You've told me so many stories, but one I want you to really be able to share. Um, you were in his office. You were alongside when he would take calls from Kobe. Yeah. People, you know, until sadly, until the funeral, to the, you know, memorial, people did not, they didn't know that Kobe and Michael were so close. Um, and they were stunned by it, and they were stunned by Jordan's outpour, public emotional uh, outpour. Yeah. Um, I wasn't because I had a I had a glimpse, you know, into it. Um, when Michael came here to Washington, by then I, I hated trying to cover him. We had gotten to the space, and you guys know this: that there are people that can always act distant, and there are people who their, their personal lives become involved in the relationship, as I think should happen. Charles Barkley, Charles is one of my best friends. At one point, I was covering him like everybody else. And then stuff transitions and, you know. Now you're writing his books, editing his books. Yeah, two books together. (laughs) And and Michael, it was was more personal, really, than professional in in some ways. And I didn't want to cover him anymore. But sometimes I'd go to the arena and uh, sit in his office, too, because I'm writing for the Washington Post at the time. And he's managing, GMing, essentially, the the Washington Wizards. And Kobe, uh, he idolized him. And... You know, we saw at the end at that memorial when Michael teared up, more than teared up, cried and, and said he was he had been like a, a little brother pain in the ass. That is no exaggeration. So during all of Michael's, uh, I beat a game at Staples Center. And Kobe, let's say, had 45 and nine, which you know could happen a whole bunch of nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he knew that I thought that Jordan would always be the greatest. He knew I was of that opinion. And I covered him. And I talked to him. And Kobe would, that line of reporters that's outside the door waiting to get in the locker room, Kobe would sometimes just sort of, you know, drift over and give me an elbow in the ribs or elbow in the back. And he would say, would your boy have done that tonight? Would your boy have done that? <laughs> huh? And I would say, and he would whisper it. Nobody else yeah. knew what was going on. Because he, and I said to him one time, let me write about, let me talk about when you do that, people will get the humanity of it. He's like, no, they won't. They'll kill me. So I never talked about it. Until Michael sort of talked about it, until he was sadly, sadly gone. But it was so funny. And I would say, yeah, I'm going to call him now. And, and Kobe would say, go ahead, pull out the cell phone. Let's talk to the old man. Let's see if the old man was watching. And it was, it was so, it meant so much to Kobe, that sort of byplay that showed, for anybody who really understood the context of it, it wasn't hard. That's how much he loved Michael. That, that back and forth is how much he loved him. 
Well, the one thing that I'll say that I heard and it still resonates with me because all of us as athletes, we push ourselves. We have, we push ourselves to our physical limits, our mental limits, our emotional limits, but there's always athletes that can push themselves further. And there's some athletes just like every other athlete that, that just, it, it's, it's a crippling ability, right? Like when Michael Jordan said, he goes, Kobe, like he's cursed just like I am. Yes. Right. Yes. That would, the, yes. to this day, that is the biggest compliment and one of the saddest things that you will ever hear because they are, they are cursed with this level of competitiveness that pushed them to a level of greatness that no 10 people on this planet will ever experience. But the curse is also that it just, it just consumed them. Right. And that's all they could focus on. And they know that that's not their balance, but that's their gift. And it goes a back and forth. And it just, when you hear that, and it's true, like, there's only certain people, not the talent, right? Talent is like this is a a little bit, but it's the work ethic and it's the mentality. That's the equalizer. Richard, you're a hundred percent right. So that, that line, I mean, you, 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 you got down to the line that explains the commonality, the bond between the two of them that, that Michael could recognize in Kobe and probably didn't see. So, so, you know, this leads to, the whole second career thing, right? So I did, it, it's still out there, it's still online somewhere. I I, um, I did what was probably the last interview with Kobe as a active player. Um, and we talked about storytelling. Like, like he had decided that maybe, and I don't know how much Michael figured into this. Maybe he looked at Michael and said, okay, I'm not going to do this forever. I'm not, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of this or channel it or harness it or edit it, but he the story the whole storytelling career. I mean, he looked at the difference between Magic and Michael in, in the basketball universe is very little to me. They're both on my Mount Rushmore, but Kobe wanted that second life like Magic. That second life that you know I, mean, I work with Magic for eight years, like actively all the time, Sundays, Saturdays, whatever game nights, and I've known him for forty. And Magic, that second life, he didn't want to have to go into it, but once he had to. He threw himself into that with the same passion and 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 and, and attention. And Kobe with the storytelling. So the first time I sat to interview him, he didn't want to talk about what he had. There's a question where I say, "You want to tell us what this thing is? This this new thing that's consuming you?" And he said, "I'm not quite ready yet." He wasn't quite ready to talk about it publicly. But the next time we did it, the last one, he talked about it. And I remember Tony Kornheiser. Tony saw what we had done before it aired. He said. He wants to be Walt Disney. And of course, Tony's always given to this great exaggeration. And but but even in the exaggeration, there was a whole lot of truth to that. I mean, you win an Academy Award the like the first, the second year you retire. That's insane. Yeah, but this is awesome. what he threw himself into um, and wanted to and knew. Like, like those last year or two he was playing and hurt and all that, he knew where this was going for him. Yeah. And so, Richard, you're right about consumption. Consumption is what they shared, and you could see it. They knew it. And I was just a bystander who happened to be closer in that way, and they both knew that I knew that. And that's why I think I got to share. I feel very grateful that I could be taken into the confidence um, in that way. And, And part of it, they, they knew that that was not going to be misrepresented if and when I ever referred to these things. 
I was going to get it. I got it in real time. When Kobe said that, the look on his face, call your boy. What was it? What would he had, What would the old man have done tonight? It was such a connection, such pride in his relationship with Michael. And yeah, Michael I saw one, uh, yeah, I saw I saw one clip online and and, he, and I think it was uh all the smoke. They were uh they were talking to Kobe one like his last interview and he said something like him and MJ were talking and they were kind of going back and forth and then Kobe goes to MJ's like whoa 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 hold on don't forget who you're talking to right and it, and everyone laughs you're like think about that Kobe Bryant is the only person where Michael Jordan will hear those words he and be like that from, yeah and be uh, like all right all yeah. right all right yeah. now again there's probably Magic Johnson there's probably some other guys it's a small club you're right a it's a small club, club. But uh, current day players, like players that weren't a part of MJ's generation that he never truly like, I know uh, Kobe got some of that, like at the, at, when he was young, when he was 18, yeah, 19. Absolutely. But, like they were, they were so similar. And I think that's why Jordan fans loved Kobe, yep. right? Loved Kobe because they saw the similarities and they saw that killer instinct. That was something that was the closest thing that you can see. Yeah. If um, you don't mind and have a minute, I do, I do. Okay. Keep, okay. Good. I you walk away when you're ready to walk it. away. No, we're good. You we're mentioned good. it. Your Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Who is that? My Mount Rushmore is Bill Russell. I'm going to do it chronologically. Bill Russell, Irvin Johnson, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. And I know, I mean, to me, if, you, if you're going to start telling the story of basketball, you, you may not start with, with Russell. You have, you have to start with Mike and sort of just chronologically. But, I mean, Russell, my God. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm too young still to have seen, or let me say it this way. I'm not old enough to have seen the greatest of Bill Russell, but I saw the end of Russell. I remember the championship over the Lakers when the Lakers should have won the game in, in the fabulous forum. And that's the one where you see Brent Musburger start to interview Russell. He starts to tear up. That was his last game. I was, I was 10. And I remember it watching with my father. And uh, it's Russell. Yeah. I mean, it's Bill Russell, the greatest winner in, 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 in modern sports history. Sorry, Tom Brady. But then it, it's, it's Magic. Who, Magic went to the finals nine times in 12 years. Nine times. That's insane. Yeah. And he yeah. went, yes, he had great teams. Everybody who had great teams had great teams. I mean, it, you know, Magic people say, different. well, the Lakers of Wilt, they weren't as great as the Celtics. Bullshit. Wilt played with Jerry West and Gail Goodrich and Elgin F. Baylor. Baylor, boys and girls. And if people don't think Elgin Baylor was great, they better go to the basketballreference.com. <laughs> what he did. Well, but, I think, was Elgin Baylor the high, was he the highest scorer when he retired? And then, yes, uh, yes, yes, he was, Richard. And then Wilt passed. Oh, then Wilt, yes. Well, he retired Baylor. before Wilt. Yes, yes, yes. He yeah. was the leading scorer when he retired. And then Wilt passed him. That's nothing I love about y'all. Y'all, y'all, you guys constantly, constantly, I can see you're constantly studying and bringing historical importance into, into, into light. So, Ali, that's my Mount Rushmore. I, I've said this now for a few years, and to be honest with you, I started to feel guilty about it. I started to feel bad about it in a way. You know, doing what I do, you know, you sort of get forced to make these judgments, and sometimes... I tend to call people. I, I still, call, I call people. Like we're, if I'm going to talk about somebody whose birthday is on our show or somebody who passed away or so, somebody retires, I tend to, like I'll text Magic. Magic never texts. You got, you got to get him on the phone. I'll, 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 I'll text MJ 
and say, hey, what do you think about this? I, I, Charles, I talk to every week. And there are other people, other people outside the sport or coaches, you know, who I got to talk to. Um, Norm Van Leer, rest his soul. Um, because I want to constantly know, am I okay with these opinions? Would you shout it down? Like, I'm not afraid of that. I, I do a show with disagreement for a living. I can't be afraid of disagreement. Y'all started that. Y'all started that. Y'all, you know, y'all. And, I, and I, I, so those are my four, but the guilt was over not having Kobe there. And it, it happened before the tragedy. I started thinking about it like a lot. And would I change it? You're not supposed to have five people on Mount Rushmore. Well, how about we can give you a second Mount Rushmore? Because I know Kobe hits the second Mount Rushmore, right? Mm-hmm. So then I want to know the other three people because you're you're how about you just round out? We talked about it last night. Well, how about you just round out your team like Kevin Durant just did recently? My team. Because yeah. so, you also had a couple people there that you were like, they oh. did that. Well, okay. So the second t- so the, the bench would be bench. Kobe, <laughs> yeah, Kobe starts it, right? I mean, that's insane for me to say that, but. Uh, Kobe starts it, uh, Larry Bird, um, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Um, how many is that? That's four more, right? Yeah, okay, now now we didn't we, you did not mention Will. No, and it's I got, okay. He did. He did. Yep. So I got Kareem, 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 and Will, and I get one more to get to seven to get to twelve. No, Tim and Duncan, no Shaq. No, no, no. Well, hang on. You said you said the big O. You said the big O. And oh, Oscar, then, Oscar. Yep. And then yes, Shaq or Duncan. I, I, like, how am I supposed to choose Shaq? And you said you struggled with Shaq, or you, you had Shaq on there. You struggled with Tim and Scotty. Yes. Okay, and here's something. And you guys know, because actually, did you guys play against Scotty his last season or two? I did. I you think did. I, did. I did. I played against Scotty. Because I'll never forget watching him in Portland and watching him spread his wings right for the first time in my life and see that he took away the entire yes if you were, if you were guarding yes. a wing if he was because he was guarding jason kidd at the time and he had jason on the far wing and he went like this and spread out his wingspan like like playing defense yeah. and from where i was i couldn't see jason right <laughs> like, like no, because that's but that was the thing it's like yo you know you know having you know whatever you know as long as pippen's arms right like he yes. had the longest wingspan for a six foot eight player. And might have been Richard, might have been. Look, I, I mean, I sat courtside. I, I didn't have to look at video. I, I got to watch you guys play your whole careers. I've gotten now to see Braun and KD and, and Steph. I've seen their whole careers, but I also saw Michael's whole career. I mean, I, 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 I covered Michael in, in college. I was covering the ACC for the Washington Post when Michael was in. I got to see Michael and Lynn Bites. All right. Now that's a story. And that, ah. that, you know, Lim Bias to me had, Lim Bias had the most beautiful jump shot I have ever seen, period. Nope. And anybody who saw that, like I saw it on a nightly basis because I was covering Maryland and Georgetown. I got to in one, in one neighborhood and writing for the Washington Post, every night I got to pick my game. Here's, my, here's the guys I get to pick at the same time. Lim Bias, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Georgetown. The last year of Ralph Sampson, Sampson. three-time player of the year. I got to just like say, all right, uh, I'm going to go see David Robinson play against so-and-so. And he had like 50. And the <laughs> next night I could see Lynn Bias play because North Carolina was coming. And I could see Lenny Bias play against MJ. I got to see, I, I'm so fortunate. That I got to see all of that. And that's why 
Like, I really appreciate the difference of the eras, but ultimately the greatness is the greatness, man. It's just like you, like you said, the game evolves, Richard, it does. I got to see all of those guys. I still do. That does it for this special legacy edition of Road Trip. And join us next week as we'll get the crew back together to talk all things NBA offseason and, of course, pop culture. As always, like, rate, and subscribe. Have a question or topic for our next show? You know what to do. Text us or leave us a voicemail at 657-522-5578. That's 657-5-CALL-RT. We'll see you next time. I don't have the Rams in the playoffs. Oh, brother. I don't. Stafford's tendonitis in his elbow scares me. They're talking about it as a potential baseball injury. Like, that's a question that's been asked. I'm like, lower's arm. Like, is this tendonitis? Is this, is he going to need like Tommy John surgery or something? I don't know. It worries me. It really does that his, he's being held out of team drills and he's saying that he's fine, but like clearly he's not fine because if he was fine, no one would be talking about this. Right. So, right. It concerns me that we're we're seeing could see a, a arm fatigued Stafford this year with just a weird mysterious injury already, and maybe I'm just overreacting, but it makes me cautious. I think, I think that's valid logic. I guess I'm not ready to put him out of the playoffs for that, but I could definitely see a world yeah. where if Stafford's arm is all messed up, they don't make it, or at least like they start off the season slow, or f- end the season slow, as yeah. like maybe he gets be- like he's maybe he's at his best right now, and then as you spend the it entire season throwing it, it gets worse.